quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her questions via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her responses or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I used mylifeinabook.com to compile my own stories to give to my daughters for Mother's Day. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code PEACE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code PEACE for 10% off today. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connective parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Hi, welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and it's 2024. And I want to talk about this idea of being our child's punching bag. I've heard it a lot lately, especially on Instagram and in my my groups, uh, my parenting groups, I've heard in the Connected Parent Mastermind, we've talked about it a lot. Like, I feel like I'm my kid's punching bag. And I just wonder when we can take a moment here and think about that phrase. I feel like I'm my kid's punching bag. Why? Why is it that when our child says something snarky, is unkind, is just downright mean, why do we believe that we are the punching bag for that? And what is that bringing up for us? And what is that saying to us? When I hear that, I kind of cringe thinking, mm, can we actually be the punching bag for someone when we hold all of the power, when we are the authority figure, and when we have all of the control? Is our child actually even able to use us as a punching bag if we are in complete control of everything, if we're the authority figure? And why is it that we believe that? Why is it that we go to a place of victim, martyrdom? Why do we go to the place of downtroddenness? Why do we believe our child wants to victimize us or wants to make us the martyr? Why do we believe that our child is sitting around scheming up a plan to victimize us, to make us feel as if we're the punching bag, to really make us feel bad, so to speak? And how is it we're allowing our child's behavior 
to make us feel a certain way. And I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers or make anyone feel bad, but isn't that an immature way to think about parenting, to think about our children? And aren't we supposed to be the mature ones? And is that a mature lens to take toward our children? So if our child is saying unkind things and being mean, is it about us? And are we so egotistical that we think whatever they do is about us? And why? Why do we think that? What is that bringing up for you in this moment? Is it because you were the punching bag when you were a kid and now you're dragging that idea from your childhood into your parenting? Now you're like, oh, I'm always the punching bag. I always have to take all of the dysregulation and I am the victim. I am the martyr. And are you dragging that from past experience into your parenting? And if you are, can you cease that? And you say, hey, actually, I'm going to rise above this dysregulated behavior that I'm seeing displayed by my child. I'm going to rise above it. I'm going to take a bird's eye view here. I'm going to put on my big girl, big boy pants, and I'm going to say, this isn't about me. I am not the punching bag. You can only be the punching bag also if you allow yourself to be. Now, in adult relationships, that's not the same, right? Because the powers are even. Well, let's hope. Here, the power is so uneven. We are the oppressors if we choose to be. They can't be the oppressors. They cannot oppress us because we hold all the control and the power. We can, if we want to, put our thumb on them, send them a time out, yell at them, make them feel bad, take away everything that's precious to them. We can be the oppressor because we have the power and authority. They do not. So to say that we're the punching bag for them is just false. We can't be. Sure, they're unkind. That is absolutely not arguable. Our kids can be unkind. They can do the wrong thing. They can be mean to their brothers and sisters. They can not follow our directions. They can do all of the things that make us bananas. But just because they do those things doesn't mean that we are the punching bag. They're doing those things out here on an island in their own dysregulation, in their own inability to process life. And it has little or nothing to do with us. What's actually happening is that we're confusing two different things. We're confusing poor treatment with intent, right? We believe that our child, in these moments that we believe we're the punching bag, we believe our child has intent intent to make us feel bad like an adult would. We also give them the power. If we say, oh, they're the punching bag, now we've given them the power and the control. We're hitting pause for a moment to thank our sponsors. These brands make sure you can listen to this podcast for free. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk, their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE 
For a limited time, additional terms and conditions apply. You know what I don't miss at all? The vicious week before my period. I always used to feel like I was walking in quicksand and craving the most unhealthy of foods. My sleep was always off and my moods were unpredictable. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. And the biggest benefit, feeling like myself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 14,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off the entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code PEACE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PEACE for 15% off today. Okay, back to the show. Now, a child, when they're having this experience where we're, they're saying some unkind things and we don't hold space for it, we come back rhetorically, we come back with, you can't say that, I'm taking your phone away, I'm sending you to timeout, you're grounded. When we come back with the combative nature, because they are the oppressed, they will rebel or a certain portion of them will withdraw or a certain portion of them will flee. But either way, we're igniting their fight, flight, or freeze because we're the oppressors and they feel oppressed. And if they feel oppressed because we're shutting their feelings down, we're shutting them down, then they will react. Many kids act, react like my asthma, will react big and combative and fight or like my Pia, withdraw, move away and freeze. Some will run away. So the idea here is that if we can hold space instead of being combative, instead of coming back, instead of correcting, instead of using punitive measures, instead of telling them they're wrong in their moment where they're out of their mind, where they're saying the unkind things, if we can get rid of this idea that we are the punching bag, throw that away and adopt this idea that it isn't about us and that our e- we need to check our ego and we need to find our maturity. And in that maturity, we can hold space for the feelings with empathy. It looks like you're having a hard time. I'm right here. I'm going to be with you. Do you need a hug? Do you need a kiss? Would you like to have tea? What's going on with you? Can we actually help them unravel some? And then if we hold enough space for this dysregulation and we're not taking it personally and we don't believe we're the punching bag, how will they respond? They will no longer feel oppressed. They will no longer feel like they need to fight, flight, or freeze. They will hopefully within these moments of us holding the space for the dysregulation and the unkindness and all the things that we want to say, oh my God, you're crazy, please stop. Instead, will it allow them to come to their own remorse? And is that the natural consequence? So for my Esme, she's very shame adverse. So if you let her sit long enough in her own mishap, in her own poor choice, in her own unkindness, she'll come around. She'll come all the way around. And guess what she'll say? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm stressed. I'm having a hard time. 
And now that was the natural consequence. She got to internal remorse. And then what did she do? She made amends. She fixed it. She did what we want them to do. We want them to find this place where they messed up organically, authentically, and we want them to fix it, remedy it, make it better. No punishment, no combative nature, no correction needed. When we can be mature, not believe that it is them using us as a punching bag, not believe that it's personal, not get drugged to our childhood where we were the victims. If we can believe that we're not the victim, they're not the villain. This isn't us against them. And as soon as we believe that they are using us as a punching bag, we have to admit that we also believe that they are the villain. Because if we are the victim, someone's the villain and it's them. So adopting this idea of being the victim gives your child this title or this you know, idea of them being the villain. But we do it all so subconsciously. We do it because it's old pattern, old hat. It's what's been done to us. And our parents likely played the victim card. Oh, you're disrespectful. You're doing this to me. How could you? You're ungrateful. This is awful. The guilt and the shame and the, the judgment. And if we've felt it long enough, then it just becomes part of us. So if they were the victims in this paradigm, maybe we adopt that too. And then we pass it on. And that's the generational trauma, right? Little traumas, but still, if they continue happening over and over again, they can make an impact. So finding that maturity, finding that place in your mind where you can say, I am not going to succumb to this this dichotomy of victim and villain. I'm not going to also notice it. I'm not going to, I digress here, but you also don't want to perpetrate it or portray it or continue its legacy in your sibling, in your kid's sibling relationships or your own sibling relationship, right? Like if you were always the villain in your sibling relationship, is that where you operate now? And do you always look for the villain in the sibling relationship in your own kids' relationships now? Are you looking for the villain? because you were the villain or because your sister was the villain or your brother was the villain? Are you looking for the victim? Because somebody has to be the victim if somebody's the villain. What if we took this whole victim-villain thing completely out of interpersonal relationships? Sure, it can be for the storybooks. It can even be for the courts. It can be for all kinds of things. But do we have to let it have a place in our most important relationships, the ones we share with our kids and our sisters and our parents? and our family. I don't want that paradigm in my interpersonal relationships with my partner. Nobody's doing anything to get to you on purpose, unless they're absolutely out of their minds. Then maybe, then those people we cut out. But certainly our kids are not because they don't have any power or control. They have no authority whatsoever. So they are still the oppressed people. Even if we're not oppressors, they live in the lesser just existence because they have no power. And if the only power we're giving them is the power of being the villain, that's not the kind of power that they want to have, because then we're the victim. Now we're giving them a very strange idea of what a solid, mature relationship feels and looks like. You're not the punching bag. I promise you you're not. Don't let yourself be. You're not the victim. 
you're not the martyr. You don't have to be if you don't want to be. But what you do have to do, which is the harder part, is hold the space for the dysregulation and come regulated so they can get to their natural consequence of internal remorse and guilt. Now, you haven't been doing this and you do it one time and you don't get a kid who apologized, don't be shocked. Of course, you're not going to. You got to do it 5,000 times, 500, maybe 50. You got to do it a lot in order to get your kid reconditioned to this idea because they're going to be stuck in their victim villain too. They're going to think of themselves as the villain until they have you model that they're not over and over again, until they believe it, until they think you believe it, will they change? But you can get there. I promise you can. My sweet Esme apologizes every time, very quickly. Pia, uh, uh, she's in the, that stage, that teenager stage where it's harder for her right now. That's okay. I'm sticking with her. I'm not worried that she won't get there. I know she will because she's a good person and so am I. And I refuse to accept that I am a victim or a martyr. And you should refuse that too. All right. Thanks for joining me on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I am so glad you're here. Happy New Year. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.